Nice. Thanks for listening. That's just good stuff, isn't it? That's what we've been talking about. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, God is light. In him there is no darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, I love this. For God who said, let there be light from nothing, remember, has let that light shine in your heart. That's amazing stuff. And James chapter 4, verse 7 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Somebody told me last week, they said, Cain, all this talk of us being hope of the world and hope givers, maybe you ought to give us a good old-fashioned sermon on temptation because that's still going on in our lives. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty good suggestion. If we're going to be people that shine light for Jesus Christ, if we're going to shine like the stars in the heaven, we ought to learn how to walk in the light. So I thought, yeah, we'll talk about some temptation today. Now, here's the deal. Just by mentioning the word temptation, some of you started thinking some things, right? All kinds of things going through your mind. And if you're walking real good with the Lord right now, probably could have been something pretty easy, like maybe an extra dip of hot fudge or ice cream or, you know, extra nuts or something. But I'm telling you, for most of us in here, it's probably a bit more serious than that. For some of us in here, in a crowd this big, when I said the word temptation, there might have been a man or a woman come to your mind that you've been thinking a lot about lately that's out of bounds because they're married, and so are you. For some of you in here today, you might be so stressed out at work and so stressed out at home, when I said the word temptation, you were thinking about the bottle or the drug that you could get down at the drugstore. You still could go get that prescription filled one more time. Some of you in here, the the temptation, word temptation made you think about this weekend because you're going out of town on business and you're going to be alone in the hotel room. And that used to be a little tougher because you could, you had to pay for those movies and then you had to explain that on your expense account. You don't even have to do that anymore. Just open up the computer or just look at your phone. Have mercy. They're everywhere. And for you, you're, you've got to answer that temptation. We're going to watch that and do that this week. Some of the young people in here, the word temptation probably made you think of, I don't know, a can of beer or a drug or Maybe that person of the opposite sex that's been deemed off-limits by mom and dad. Some of us, it's a juicy gossip story. For some of us, it's a story that's not altogether true. For some of us, it's eating too much. For some of us, it's getting rid of food after we've eaten it the hard way. On and on and on it goes. I mentioned the word temptation. All kinds of things went through your mind. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Get out a piece of paper and write down two or three of those temptations. And then when you're done, we're going to change papers and grade each other. No, we're not going to. But, but I know you thought of some things, and I'm going to ask you to bring those to the altar this morning at this communion table and deal with it the way we should every week. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, come on, Cain, let's not do this. We've been talking about some real good stuff. I don't want a hellfire damnation sermon. I got guests this morning. You know, and I don't want to talk about temptation because it reminds me of that thing I've been working on that I can't fix, and I don't need to hear about that and be frustrated again. Thank you very much. I hear you. I really do. But we need to talk about this. We are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We're hope givers. And we need to talk about this once in a while because I'm going to tell you, if we don't, if you have an habitual sin in your life that's defeating you, you're going to lose your confidence to shine like the stars in heaven. You're going to lose your confidence in the love God has for you. You're going to lose your confidence in salvation. You're going to lose your witness because you're going to be thinking things like, how in the world can I expect people to listen to me talking about Jesus Christ when I can't even stop? You fill in the blank. Pretty good question, by the way. 
Another reason we got to take this seriously, the sin and temptation business once in a while, is because the Bible says if we don't, it can lead to a hard heart. Now, a hard heart happens to us as Christians when we hear the truth over and over and over again. We know it's the right thing to do, and we don't do it anyway. The Bible says what that can do to you is cause your heart to get bad, and then you are not sensitive to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, in the world we're living in right now, stock market going down, coronavirus, terrorists everywhere, you're going to want to be sensitive to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Trust me. And if you continue, the Bible says, you enter the final stage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, and that is you put out the fire of the Spirit in your life completely. It's a dangerous place for us to be. Dangerous. Another reason it's going to be uh, important for us to take sin and temptation seriously is because all of us in here know that if you don't, one sin leads to another sin, leads to another sin, it turns into cancer. One Christian man wrote this, I began stopping at the local bar after work just to spend time with my friends. I never really had a desire to drink, but I figured a beer here wouldn't hurt anything. It's not mentioned in the Bible. I even considered, uh, convinced myself that by drinking once in a while, I'd be better able to relate to my friends, maybe even have an opportunity to share Christ with them. But before long, one beer became two and then three. Soon I was drinking so much I was going home drunk. Eventually I lost my wife, my kids, my job. In my heart, I knew this was wrong, but I figured every man has to have a vice. Do I wish I could go back and deal with this drinking problem when it was just one beer every once in a while? You bet I do, but it's too late for that now. The damage is done. Family, you've never heard me preach against alcohol. I can't. But you all know the temptation to drink too much and to get drunk, and I can preach against that. But I'm telling you, the, the biggest reason why you and I need to take sin and temptation seriously in our life is not just so we can shine like the stars in heaven. It's because of what even one little sin leads to. It leads to death. We die to something when we sin. James 1.14 reads, Each one is tempted by his own evil desires. He's dragged away and enticed. After desires conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fallen, gives birth to death. You die to something. I mean, that's the equation, family. Temptation plus sin equals death. You die. And you say, Cain, what do you die to? Well, you die to all kinds of things. The most obvious, of course, is you can die physically. Well, sure, you know, you, you drink too much, you get drunk, or you take some drugs and you're under influence, you get behind the wheel of the car, sure you can kill yourself and maybe somebody else. But this sin also brings death to relationships, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. The attack on the families. And you got this guy who's treating his wife this way, and you get this wife who's treating her husband this way, and they've been to counseling, and they know the Bible says that your body's not yours, you need to take care of him, and your body's not yours, you need to take care of her, and they don't pay any heed, and before you know it, there's a death to the relationship. It's over. Or you get this young couple, and they start dating, and the next thing you know, it becomes physical. Even the Bible says don't. They do it anyway. Listen, uh, that's just the way it is these days. Are you kidding me? Are you watching TV? That's what's what people do. Cain, you're an old man to even stand up there and say we shouldn't do that today. So you get physical. Before you know it, it's the top priority in the relationship. Pretty soon it's all about sex. You're not communicating, and it's over. It's dead. You're warned. You know, I've seen this one just recently. An employee, or employer not taking care of his employees, treats them bad. Pretty soon they, he loses their loyalty and they quit you got some parents who neglect their children. Children get a little older and they get wild. 
You've got a husband who's looking at pornography, looking at pornography. Pretty soon he loses his intimacy with his wife because you cannot have both. Oh, in the beginning you can, but it goes away quickly. Are you getting me on and on and on you go? This is serious business. And there's some things that you and I can do about it and should do about it because we are the light of the world. His light is shining in us. Is that amazing? Here's one of the things we need to do. We need to remember that everybody is tempted. We talk about this all the time. We need to continue to remind that. You are never going to get big enough or good enough that this is not going to be an issue in your life. When Jesus prayed the model prayer in Matthew 6, 13, and he said, Lord, please lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He was not saying, Lord, please never put us in a situation where we're going to be tempted. That's not what he's saying. You know how we know that? Because there's never been a human being who walked this planet that was completely exonerated from the desire to be tempted. Nobody, ever. In fact, remember, Jesus was tempted. A lot. He just never gave in. In fact, before we read anything else about Jesus and his ministry, before we hear about one word about his compassion or his love or his mercy, before we read any of his healings or any of his raising from the dead, before we see anything else about him, we see his temptation. Matthew 4, Luke 4, and Mark chapter 1. And by the way, did you ever wonder why he even told us? He had to tell us because he's the only one there. That happened in the wilderness. My point is he could have just let us go on thinking that sin was something never even crossed his mind. But he didn't because that's not the truth. And he knew that you and I would need the truth. And the truth is this, even the Son of God was tempted on a regular basis, and so are you and I. It's coming every day, and we've got to be looking for it. We're the salt of the earth. Besides that, sometimes God actually leads people into places where there's serious temptation. God led Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. Remember that? Even though Moses had a propensity for losing his temper and for giving up. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God led him into that situation. Jesus led the disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, sit here and watch and pray. He even said, pray that you don't fall into temptation, because he knew that within just a few hours, in that very spot, they were going to be tempted to draw their swords or run like cockroaches with the lights turned on or to deny him three times. And instead of pretending like they could never, ever do anything like that, he said, let's be real about this, fellas. You're going to be tempted. Let's pray in advance that you can handle it when it comes. And it's the same for you and I. Listen to me. I don't care how close you're walking to God, how much you're reading and praying, you're not beyond temptation. Even here at church on Sunday morning. You can be tempted to come in here on Sunday morning and just go through the motions. Just sing the words to these powerful songs and not have them get in here at all, not have any encounter with God at all. Or worse, to sleep through the sermon, which is a sin leading unto death, Second Opinion 6-2. I just want to know if you're still awake. Or you might be tempted to get in the ministry some point, and then you're going to be tempted to be proud or to get lazy and just do enough to get by. He's led a lot of us into marriage. You talk about temptation. One gal was talking to her, her fiancé, and she said, Honey, when we get married, are we going to share all, share all our troubles and all our worries? He said, Babe, I don't have any worries or troubles. She said, I know we ain't married yet. <laughs> but that's the truth, man. We get married. You talk about temptation. We're tempted to be selfish, tempted to be envious, tempted to not take care of each other, to not hold up our end of the bargain. And the point is sometimes God does lead us into, into situations where temptation is actually going to be there. 
Which leads to number two. God might lead us into temptation, but He never tempts anybody, ever. James says in chapter 1, verse 13, when you're tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. Don't blame God when you're tempted, okay? I mean, you're out in the traffic, and the traffic's crazy, and people are driving like idiots, you know how that goes? I mean, you haven't flipped anybody off since you was 18 years old, but you're thinking about it. And all those four-letter words coming back to your mind, you know what I'm talking about? Don't say, God, why in the world did you put me in this situation? You're the ding-dong head that decided to drive to the mall after the IU game, okay? That's not God's fault. Or if you're tempted to envy somebody because they got a huge new contract, or they got a brand new camper, or they got a house and you didn't. Anybody else ever do that? Don't blame God for that and say, why'd you let them have something I can't have? No, it's just your carnal nature. The me, 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 mine, mine, mine thing. In fact, the Bible says that there's three main levels of temptation. The world, which is peer pressure, and and the flesh, which is our carnal nature, wanting what we want, and the devil, who's real good at it. But never God. Remember that. God never tempts anybody. Number three, God won't tempt us, but he might try us a little bit. You know what I mean? Don't even bother praying this prayer. Lord, because I just did this. Lord, please, let's not, let's not let, don't let Satan do that. Let's not tempt my faith anymore. Let's not test my faith anymore. Haven't we, after all these years, Lord, tested my faith enough? Don't you know that I'm not going anywhere? Don't even bother praying that prayer. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible teaches God sometimes does allow or even send trial in our lives to strengthen us, to discipline us, to grow us up, to help us become better witness, to help us shine like stars in the heavens, to help us be hope givers. Remember this conversation recorded in Job 1? Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You bless the work of his hands so his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and see if he doesn't curse you to your face. Now listen to God. This is so strange. It always has been. God said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your hands. But on himself you can't lay a hand. Did I, re- I did read that right. God's saying, okay, do whatever you want to him. You just can't kill him. Is that crazy? Do you remember the story? Satan's roaming around. He's called the accuser in the Bible. And the reason is the Bible says he stands before the throne of God and accuses man all the time. And he says, hey, how about Job? And God says, what about Job? Job loves me. And Satan said, sure he loves you. You spoil him rotten. He's got everything he wants. Let me have him a few days and see what happens. And God says, okay, go. That's sobering, isn't it? But it's also pretty comforting to be, to, to, for us to continue to remember that Satan can't do anything without permission. Nothing. Our God is sovereign, family. Don't ever forget that over everybody and everyone. Nothing can happen without his permission, which means that's why prayer is so important. Focus is so important. Being in the Word is so important. So we see this coming. We pray through it. In the New Testament, it was our, our example was Peter. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. In other words, he's at it again. And the Bible makes it clear this goes on all the time. Only the names change. What about John? What about Reed? What about Crawdad? What about Angie? He's after us all the time. The Bible makes that clear. And sometimes God allows the trials and testings to come. And trust me, we don't want him not to because that's how our, our faith gets strengthened. It's where our love is proven and our place in the kingdom is made secure. James 1, 2 says, Consider pure joy whenever your trial 
uh, you're tested in many ways because it builds up your perseverance. So we don't pray, Lord, don't lead me in any kind of testing or, or, or tribulation. Just let him go. He knows what he's doing. I love what Theodore Roosevelt said. Don't pray for lighter burdens. Pray for stronger backs. Isn't that good? Here's what we should be asking instead. We should, Lord, please help me stay away from self-imposed, unnecessary temptation. In other words, Lord, help me be, not be such a ding-dong head that I'm always putting myself in that position. I told you before, my grandma used to say, if you don't intend to go in the house, stay off the porch. You know? Doesn't that make sense? Let's say after church today, you find out Angie and I we're going to drive down to Seymour. Somebody's been telling me about this huge donut they got down there, and I love donuts. And so we're going to go get a hamburger and a donut. And you say, I'd like to go with you. Okay, come go with us. Well, no, we can't actually drive with you. We're going to follow you down there because we've got to come back early. And I said, why in the world do you want to follow me? You know, we got GPS now. You know what I mean? Just I'll give you the address. You look it up. Well, no, i got Verizon, and sometimes you get down towards Boggs and Lagodia. I lose signal, so I want to follow you. You're admitting you're depending on me. And you're saying, you know, we get down there and get a car or two in between us on that two lane, and, and I might lose you. See, you see the dual responsibility? The, the one leading has to keep watch. I got to watch in the mirror, make sure you're back there. And the one following has to remain faithful. Because if we get down like to Lagodi and you decide, well, I'm going to pull into Chuckles and the gas station down there, I'm going to get me a cup of coffee and a snack. And, and your wife says, no, no, you're supposed to be following Jimmy Kane. That's all right, he'll, he'll wait on us. How many of you come back and get us? I'm telling you, that's presumptuous, man. That's not very wise. And it's stupid because we're not coming back, are we? We're going to go eat, you know what I mean? You want to talk about temptation. You get between me and my wife and, and a lunch. Can you say hangry? But you know what I'm talking about. That's our prayer. We say, pray, please, Lord, we're weak and vulnerable. We, don't want, we know there's so many things out there in the world right now that can be, get in between you and I. So we pray, Lord, please, save us from putting ourselves in those kind of positions. May, May West used to say, I, I, I never, I generally never give in to temptation unless it's really, really tough. And that's how we are. You know, I saw something on TV not too, not too long ago, actually about a week and a half ago, and I thought to myself when I saw this advertised, I thought, well, I thought, I thought that was on 20 years ago. And so I Googled it this week, and it was. It came on in the early 2000s came back on the air in 2018, and they've had five seasons and are working on six. It's called Temptation Island. Don't tune into that. The premise of both seasons is they take four committed couples, and they put them on an exotic island, and then they have 26 other beautiful men and women who are professional tempters. And the executors of both, of both the early season and this season say this is not about sex. This is a show about uh, observing the, uh, you know, the, the deep, dark secrets of committed relationships. Right. Well, I was looking at that this week. I was shocked that there's been five seasons working on six here. And I came across Mindy, who was one of the contestants in the early shows. And, and she said something that kind of sums the whole show up. It was on the fifth night, and she was being carried to her hut on the shoulders of a guy, but it wasn't her buddy. It was a tempter. And she turned around with a big smile and looked in the camera and said, tonight I'll be in heaven, but tomorrow I'll be in hell. Well, I hope she's not. I hope she's not. We say, please, Lord, keep us close. 
We don't want to fall into sin. Bruce Wilkerson writes, most of us face too many temptations and therefore we sin too often because we don't allow God to lead us away from temptation. He adds, we make a huge spiritual leap forward, therefore, when we begin to focus less on beating temptation and more on avoiding it in the first place. That makes sense. And God has a light shining in your heart to help you do that, by the way. Number two, we pray the model prayer, deliver us from the evil one. James says, just resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God. I'm just going to tell you straight up, this is just the way it is. Satan hates y'all's guts and would kill you if he could, but God won't let him. But he's going to do whatever he can to split you and God up because he hates God too. Peter says that he roams the earth like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour now, I'm not a naturalist. You can talk to my brother-in-law about that, but I know this much about lions. They're ferocious, relentless hunters, and they get into a, a herd, and they get you away from the herd. They pick the weak ones, get them out of the herd, and then eat them alive. And I still hear people tell me all the time, I'm not going to make my kids go to church. My parents made me go to church when I was a kid, and I'm not going to do that to them. I'm going to let them choose. Sometimes they've had a red week, and they just need to sleep in. I told you guys I'd lay off on this coming to church every week business, but I got to tell you, when it comes to our kids, they're living in a different world than we lived in. The evil and the temptations that they're fighting every day, and to purposely keep them away from this herd, especially on Sunday mornings, dangerous business. That's dangerous business. Satan wants to take us down, family. He came to steal, kill, and destroy, to kill our joy, to destroy our relationships, to move us away from God. And we got to pray continually. Please, Lord, lead us away from temptation. Three practical suggestions I want you to bring to the altar today, and here's the first one. We need to continually admit to God and to ourselves that we're powerless against temptation. we got to have some help here. I think sometimes we get, uh, we underestimate our ability to put up with tough times and overestimate our ability to put up with temptation. You know what I'm talking about? I hear people all the time watch somebody go through something really tough, like at church, and they'll say, man, I don't know how they did that. I could never do that. Yeah, you could. I've seen some of you do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, I think sometimes we overestimate our confidence in temptation. I can go to the party Friday night and be all right. Come on, don't you trust me? Let me go on spring break with the kids. I can maintain my integrity. I can hang out with that group over there, even though they're not of like faith, and I'll still be the uh, influencer. And some of the parents are doing, yeah, yeah, preach it, preacher. We do the same thing. I've been a Christian a long time. I can watch those movies on Netflix and Hulu. I'm okay, okay? I can handle that. I can get on my phone for three, four hours a night and look at how people compare themselves with other things and look at people that I shouldn't be looking at and, you know, listen to people gripe and holler. And I'm okay. I can get off this thing anytime I want to. Sometimes we just get a little cocky. We think we've made it. But the Bible says be careful when you think you stand lest you fall. Gordon McDonald says an unguarded strength can become a double weakness. So be careful. And secondly... We pray to God to deliver or keep us out of the habit of putting ourselves into those positions like we talked about early. I, I got a friend, who's a preacher friend of mine, who years ago, his wife was, she was addicted to shopping, man. She was just killing him, charging everything, buying stuff. And 
he said, honey, you got to get a grip on this. And she said, I know. And they prayed together about it. About two weeks later, she came home with a new dress. He said, I thought we talked about this. I thought you were going to beat this temptation. She said, well, I was in the dressing room, and I tried the thing on. I looked in the mirror, and I looked so good, and I thought, oh, my goodness, we've talked about this. And I even said, get behind me, Satan. And he said, looks pretty good from back here, too. <laughs> I thought that'd be better. But anyway, stay away from those things. Don't go to the hotel room by yourself. Don't hang out with that group of people. Don't get involved with that situation. And then thirdly, make sure that this is a top priority. We talk all the time about how this is the most important part of South Union Christian Church. This is the most important part of our life right here. The broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ, the only thing that saves us. Because we sin all the time. And when you come in here in the morning and you think about this and think about what it cost him, it can't help you to, to become more hope givers, and to want to shine. Tony Campolo, I've told you this before, but it's fit, so I'm going to tell you again because some of you probably haven't heard it. But a long time ago, he was talking about uh, the theory of relativity and, and time and time travel. And, you know, you go so fast, you go the speed of light. You go double the speed of light, this happens. But at a certain speed, uh, according to the theory of relativity, all time collapses on itself and turns into existential now. In other words, everything becomes now. And he told that story, and then he said, you know, that's where Jesus lives. No time, remember? Existential now. And he said, so what this means to you and I is the next time you're tempted and you give in, if you just get real quiet for a minute, you can probably hear the screams of agony of Jesus on the cross. Because in his world, while you and I are sinning now, he's dying for us. Oh, family, doesn't that change things? So come this morning, bring whatever came to your mind right up here at the altar, leave it here, beg him for forgiveness, thank him for what he's done for you, and say, Lord, I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Help me this week. Come talk to me if you need to.